My heart for all of us is that we'll know freedom and joy, that we won't drag anchor in our Christian life, that we'll sing the praises of our great God because he set us free. Jesus paid it all. So why are we trying to pay more than Jesus paid? Legalism is a dangerous thing for the believer. It imposes rules and regulations upon oneself and others in order to demonstrate quote-unquote true commitment to Christ. Actually, legalism reveals a misguided motivation, one that seeks to impress others rather than God. This is Living a Legacy with Bible teacher Dr. Crawford Lorenz. Crawford has dedicated over 50 years of his life to Christian ministry, serving with Campus Crusade for Christ in church planting, and he recently retired as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia. Crawford now heads the Christian leadership mentoring ministry known as Beyond Our Generation. His books include Leadership as an Identity, Lessons from a Life Coach, and Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow. Well, today we'll hear the second half of Crawford's message, Our Freedom. Crawford is leading us through a series based on the New Testament book of Colossians. We're learning from the Apostle Paul about what matters most, about our incomparable Christ, and giving all for our Savior's cause. To get caught up on the messages so far in this series, stream them on our website, and I'll have more about that at the close of our program. Let's get to our study. Our text is Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy. Legalists don't mean this in our vernacular today, but legalists have a way of attaching barnacles to the gospel, of confusing the gospel. They have ways of layering the gospel, almost coming across as if somehow or another you got to get beyond being a sinner in order for Jesus to save you. And so Paul takes off these things uh, here, in, here in verses 18 through 19. He says, uh, in verse 18, he says, let no one disqualify you. Two things. First of all, let no one pass judgment on you. They're not God. They're not God. You know, don't, don't let them tell you uh, what to do with your life and how you should think. They're not God. Second, he says, now be careful. Don't let them disqualify you. And I think the inference is that, look, don't, don't get in a situation where you compromise your convictions or you push aside what you know to be right. You surrender your will more than God wants you to, to these old processes and rules and performance and what have you. Before you know it, uh, we will allow others to turn us away from the reality of Christ to the shadow of the law, and we, in essence, will allow them to rob us of our reward. You will buy into this nonsense that the shadow is the substance. The shadow's not the substance. Don't let them disqualify you. Don't let them, with, with you believing all of this peripheral nonsense that has nothing to do with the center of Christianity, you, you're brokering and pulling all of that stuff into your heart and life and your mind that Christians don't do this, Christians don't go here, Christians wear this, Christians live in this kind of neighborhood, Christians vote this way, Christians don't vote that way. These are the way. You have all this layered barnacles around the gospel. Who said so? And before you know it, God takes his hand off of you. Why does he take his hand off of you? No, you were sincere in assuming that this stuff was vital and vibrant and core to your Christianity, but Jesus got lost 
in our spiritual hoarding. She says, no, 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 be careful, Crawford. Don't let them disqualify you. Now, he, he points to a number of things as illustrations of disqualification. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism. What is asceticism? Asceticism uh, generally is severe, rigid self-discipline and the avoidance of anything that might appear enjoyable. Now we laugh at that. Look at the cults, especially those who, who uh, troll our campuses. One of the great signatures of these cults is a hyper, quote, false discipline. You can't do this, you can't contact your parents, you can't be in this situation, you can't be in that situation, you can't go over here, you can't associate with these people, you can't associate with that, and, it, 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 and it's this rigid process. Jesus Christ has not called us to rigidity, he has called us spiritual discipline. But in the spiritual disciplines are pathways to freedom. And if freedom does not come as a result of exercising spiritual discipline, then your discipline has become an idol. We pray not to, not to impress people that we pray, not to brag about praying. We pray to connect with the heart of God. We read our Bibles not to impress people that we read our Bibles or to brag about the fact that we read our Bibles or that we know such truth. We read our Bibles because we want to know and hear the voice of God. And the moment you think that those disciplines are an end within itself, there's a brand of asceticism, even though it's the right thing. Grace always produces freedom and joy and not restriction. And so he lifts up asceticism. And he talks about worship of angels. Uh, this was a brand of artificial godliness. And by the way, by the way, uh, it's still around today. Somehow or another, uh, lifting up other sources because I worship these angels and all of that. And if you know your Bible, I mean, what was it? Revelation 22, verse 8 and 9, uh, when, when uh, you know, John sees these angels in this great revelation, and he falls down to worship the angel. The angel, oh, oh, nope, 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 don't do that. Get up, get up, get up! You don't worship angels. You don't worship me. You worship the lamb who's seated on the throne. You worship God. And also in the text, he's talking about going on in detail about visions. And again, he has something specific in mind, but I think the implication is true to us. Uh, you know, I think the boasting and bragging about some significant spiritual insights that we have that nobody else has now, let me tell you something here. You may not think this applies, but be careful. The devil's very subtle. The devil's very subtle. You must be very careful. If the Spirit of God gives you an insight, or you have some experience with the Lord that other people don't have, careful with that. Careful with judging others who have not had that same experience that you've had. We hold everything loosely. These experiences are not given to us to brag about the experience. In fact, that's what he talks about, their heads being puffed up. See, one of the signatures of legalism is pride. 
And there's nothing more disgusting than spiritual pride. It's just, it's just nauseatingly nasty. It's kind of like a sweet, gagging sour. Because from a distance, it smells alluring, and then you get close to it, close to it, it's, it's like meat that's spoiled. And whenever we're proud about our walk with God, be careful with that. That's the reason why so many of us can't handle blessing. We can't handle visibility. You can't handle God doing, because there's this dastardly tendency in all of us, in every last one of us, to take what God does and take what he shows and make it a statement about my competency, about my value, about my significance. And this is at the core of legalism. The very first thing the Apostle Paul says, look, I, I need to understand that don't submit to someone else's standards in your life. You, 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 can't, you can't do it. He says that our sufficiency is Christ, verse 19. says, and, nothing, and, and not holding fast to the head. You're holding fast to your asceticism. You're holding fast to your worship of angels. You're holding fast to your insights. And by the way, you're arrogant and proud about that. But where's Jesus? He says, no, 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 you're, you're not, <laughs> you're not holding fast to the head, Jesus, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. And here he's talking about life, life, life. Jesus gives you life. And legalists have no connection with Christ. That's the reason why legalists are often so very miserable because they have no connection with Christ. The signature that you've been with Jesus is joy, transformation, and freedom. Change, freedom, joy. That's the real signature that you've been with Jesus. And if you're awful to be around, you ain't been with Jesus, you've been with your rules. And you've assumed that your rules are making you sanctified and holy. But quite frankly, in your daily life, you don't look nothing like Jesus. You're just as nasty and angry as unbelievers, but your advantage is that you've got some Bible verses to camouflage it. Now, forgive me for being so straight, but I've, I've, I've been around the block with these folks, okay? I've been around the block. I, I get, you know, I, I, I've, I've seen it. I've seen the negative side of it. And by the way, these legalists are presenting to the world right now, our culture, to the, the, the world is watching the church and watching Christians, and they're sniffing us out, and they see our angry list of rules and our, our negative attitudes and all of that, and the question is, where's grace and where's Jesus? Where is he? I'm just saying what Paul says here. Paul is saying that true spirituality does not come by compliance with laws, but only by connection with life. Jesus, that's what he said in John chapter 15. He was telling these disciples, listen, listen, fellas, I don't want you, when I, I don't want you being like these Pharisees. He says, abide in me. Abide in me. I'll give you life. 
but it's all about the person of Christ. Who are you abiding in? One of the things you have to quickly tell your kids, your kids love you and this kind of thing, and you gotta tell your kids as they grow up, look, look, honey, I'm so glad you love me, and I'm so glad, especially if you got some compliant children, which ain't a bad thing, but as they grow up, you say, sweetheart, I'm so glad, I'm so glad you do. But you know what, you know, I, I want you to walk with God, not for me, not for your mama, not for your youth group. I want you to be so smitten by the awe and wonder and love of the Lord Jesus. I want you to know that he loves you no matter what, that he will never leave you or forsake you, that he's the one that gives you life, life. Connect their hearts to the heart of Jesus, but be careful, as a parent, you've got to model that. You've got to model a heart connection to Jesus. And even when you give them rules and regulations, and I'm not down on rules and regulations, frankly. Remember, I said it's motivation. Yeah, you need some rules and regulations around the house. But, you know, be honest and say, no, no, this is not a source of salvation. This is just what we do here at the house, okay? Your source of salvation is Jesus. But we have these little ancillary rules because, you know, no, you're, you're 17 years old, and you're not coming to my house at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's the rule we have here. Ain't got nothing to do with your salvation. May have something to do with whether or not you live here, but ain't got nothing to do with your salvation. <laughs> so I'm not talking about that stuff. It's a person. It's a person. And, and you know, uh, be patient with us, those of us who preach and teach here at Fellowship, because... You know, I, I read texts like this and I think about, I, I want to be careful that I don't come across, I don't ever come across as if there's power in doing these three steps or these seven things. The power comes from Jesus. The power and joy comes from him. Now, let, me, let, me, let me hustle on here. Now, the second thing, and I'll be quickly with this, don't give life to that which doesn't endure. And he tells these Colossians, look, stop going back. That's verses 20 and 22. It says, if with Christ you die to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used. Now, what, what he's saying is this. Don't, don't give life. Don't give life. Don't keep going back and giving life to stuff that doesn't Endure. It's all transcendent things. You know, don't, don't pay so much attention to that. They're going to be gone. You, you, you last forever. You, you have died with Christ, meaning, 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 meaning that you've identified with Jesus Christ. In his death, burial, and resurrection, you walk in newness of life. These old things don't give you life. Don't give life to the things that don't endure. And that's a good word for all of us. Our Christianity needs to be built on the eternal, not on transient things. True spirituality is living by the freedom and power of the Holy Spirit in union with Christ. Galatians 5.1, listen to Paul here. He says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Paul says we ought to fight for grace. That's what he's saying here. You fight for grace. 
He set you free. Now, why are you going back there? You, you, don't, you don't belong back there. So why are you empowering rules, regulations, by the way, which don't endure? Stick to the things that are eternal. Grace, not performance, is our motivation. That's our motivation. I am accepted by him. He loves me. And because he loves me, I want to do all that I possibly can to demonstrate gratitude to him. And then verse 23 says, stop and think. He puts a book in on this. Okay, now, hold up. Just, Just stop and think for a second. He says, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom. What? Uh, you know, uh, the things that you handle, the things that you taste, the things that you touch. They have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. They say, well, I, I, I want to give you this, but, but you need to discern what is real wisdom. Living by self-made regulations has a certain appearance of wisdom. It does. It just sounds good. I can sit down and say, well, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do this because this has been a benefit to me, and it's helped me do this, this kind of thing. And that sounds so very wise, and I can sell that to you. So you think, well, let me do what Crawford doesn't do, and let, let me borrow his rules, and let me listen to this kind of thing. He says that has an appearance of wisdom. But is that the point? He said, no, 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 no. Real wisdom comes when you choose what brings authentic transformation. So he says... Stop and think about this. The latter part of verse 23. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Now, has all your rules and regulations been able, honestly, to deal with your temptations? You know what I've discovered? In helping people overcome addictions, is to not so much focus on the struggle that they're having, but to focus on the one who has conquered their struggle. Not to deny the struggle. There are things that need to be done. There are things that need to be done. But we need to focus on the one who has conquered the struggle. I mean, how, how, you know, we all know this. Let's, let's get real here. How many of us have gone on these rigid diets? Just rigid diets. You know, I ain't naming names, but I know people have gone on these rigid diets. You know, they've lost a bunch of weight, and six months later, they've gained twice as much back. Well, the, the point being is that, that rigidity does not necessarily change your desire. Sometimes rigidity heightens the desire. You have to have a solution in mind, the one who empowers and changes Let me ask a couple of concluding questions, and we need to help each other along these lines. Are you living the Christian life out of fear, recognition, or performance? Be honest with yourself. Is fear driving your walk with Christ? Are you afraid of looking bad in the eyes of other people? Do you think that you just have to try harder for Jesus to love you more? The answer is that we are to primarily be motivated by love and gratitude for his grace. 
It doesn't mean that I don't work on these things. I would argue, I would argue, if you're, if you're motivated by love and grace, love and gratitude for his grace, you'll be far more aggressive in working on your sin because you've already been accepted. The former leads to bondage and frustration and the latter leads to freedom and joy. My heart for all of us is that we'll know freedom and joy. That we won't drag anchor in our Christian life. And that we won't be compelled to try to prove anything to anybody. You don't have to do that. We've been accepted and loved by him. Jesus paid it all. So why are we trying to pay more than Jesus paid? Let's search our hearts, church, and and let's ask the Lord to help us with our motivations. If you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus, now's your time. All you have to do is say, Jesus, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I don't have to prove anything to you. I come to you just the way I am. I can't cleanse myself. I can't help myself. That stuff is just shadows. But you're the substance. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and life and make me the person you want me to be. And if you prayed that while I was sharing that, Jesus Christ has come into your heart and life. It's as simple as that. And he wants you to know his love. Father, thank you for your mercy and thank you for your presence with us. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for those times in which we've allowed legalism to have a bit of a stranglehold on our Christianity. For those times in which we've allowed people pleasing and may we be smitten with incurable love for the Savior. May our motivations be that to honor him, to glorify him because he first loved us. In Jesus' name. Crawford Lorenz here on Living a Legacy, and that was the second half of his message titled Our Freedom. We hope Crawford's explanation of legalism was helpful. Let's remember to keep our eyes on Jesus and not on rules and self-made restrictions. We're learning a lot through the Apostle Paul's teaching in his letter to the Colossians. It's always encouraging to hear from you. Here's a recent email from Bev. I'm a Moody Radio listener, and a few Sundays ago on a two-hour drive to visit my sister, I heard your program. Wow! Your message, All for His Cause, was full of nuggets of clarity, encouragement, and wisdom for me. I wanted to take notes and later listen to parts one and two of that message so I can reread and study Colossians with you. Blessings to you. I now have another favorite program on Moody Radio. Wow, that's great, Bev. We're so glad you found us and will be joining us in this continuing series, His Church. And how about you? If you're finding Crawford's messages helpful, let us know with a quick email to legacyatmoody.edu. Legacyatmoody.edu. If you missed out on part of today's message, you can stream all of it on our website. Go to livingalegacy.org and look for the link Past Programs, livingalegacy.org. Well, next week, a look at our choice. Join us again right here. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for listening. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.